You're listening to Established, a podcast at Chess Mountain Church. What is up, Established Podcast? It's your host with the most, Kelsey. <laughs> I've never given myself a fun intro. Uh, but don't it. you worry because my co-host, Be Belicious, is here with me. <laughs> Couldn't miss out on him today. That's a good one. Be delicious, Def. No, you can't. Oh, oh. my <laughs> gosh. That was a little devastating, but I couldn't hold it back. And the beauty is I'm not going to stop recording. Thanks. And this, this will forever live in the world of the internet. Man, podcast listener, don't be afraid to use any of these names when you see BB. <laughs> I would love, I would love to hear any of these just <laughs> used to refer to you in casual life. I'm doing it. I changed his contact name in, in my phone. So I would really encourage you to do the same. Don't be afraid. There's friendship here. I wish you could see the look on BB's face right now. He is not pleased with me. I also haven't had a full cup of coffee yet today. <laughs> and so and it's 920, which is like devastating. Mm. So, so it's just his face. But we're here. I'm ready. It's going to be a great day. It rained a ton this morning, but yes, it is not going to rain down on this parade. Oh, tell them. That's a good word. Let's go. Man, and joining us for this delusional conversation <laughs> is none other than our friend Dawson Murray. Whoop What's whoop. up, Dawson? Say hello to the podcast. Um, hello. <laughs> I like I'd like to uh, uh say to the uh, um is it the is it the interweb? Is that who we're who are we talking to here? Um I'm immediately regretting this this uh, <laughs> this I guess you can call it this meeting of the minds here. With that introduction. <laughs> I'm if, sure that you can sense the intellect that will be yeah, taking place. I mean, if you only could see the behind the scenes of the podcast world. Man. Which, I mean, I guess 10 other people have, or nine other people, and 10 including Dawson, have seen what happens That's with right. our guests. So That's right. Uh, today, is, today is unique, though. Because today is the end. Today is wow. The end of the world as we know it. <laughs> wow. What a transition piece. The queen of transitions. Come on. Kelsey. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and sound effects. Absolutely. Who needs a soundboard when you can have Kelsey? <laughs> I love that. R- so rope much. us back in. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. Well, I can't believe that we are already at week 11 of the series of established with Christian belief. And this is the last doctrine that we are covering in this series. So we have walked through 10 jam packed weeks of doctrines of the faith. And we are now on week 11, the doctrine of consummation of the kingdom of God. Bum, bum, bum. The end times. I did my hands like twinkle fingers so you could tell it was spooky, but you couldn't tell because you couldn't see them. So. But I felt it. Ooh. Yeah. You could hear it in your voice. It sound, sounded very spooky. <laughs> I'm feeling a little spooky. <laughs> I regret saying that. So this morning. This is the best podcast <laughs> we've ever done. <laughs> the amount of times I feel like we've had to say something like that to make up for Something that's come out of one of our mouths is absolutely ridiculous. Listen, if you will, please uh, subscribe <laughs> and give us a, uh, the highest rating possible and then comment why you like this podcast. When it helps people find us, 
I don't actually know if that's true, but I hear other podcasts say it, so I would like for you to do that. And then share it with all your friends. Yes. <laughs> share the podcast wherever podcasts are streamed. Man. Well, BB, it's about that time. <laughs> I think BB is the most delusional person in the room today. Probably. Which is not typically the case. So this makes me extra excited to talk about the end of the world. So, today, the main idea is that Jesus Christ came once to pay the price for our salvation and is coming again to establish his kingdom here on earth. Christ will reign as king and every nation and every tongue will be represented around his throne. Mm. And so, our greatest goal is to know the hope in the final return of Christ. But before we dive in, I want to kind of have a conversation about what this was like for us growing up. Uh, what <laughs> What's the way that you were taught about the end or about the book of Revelation in general, or mm. were you taught at all? Because I feel like most people land in pretty extreme camps of we either beat it to death and now I'm terrified, or we just pretended Revelation wasn't in the Bible. And so I'm just <laughs> curious uh, what, what it was like for y'all growing yeah. up. That's a great question. Uh, I feel like Revel the book of Revelation, which is the book of Revelation, not Revelations. Fun fact, um, is uh was always like super felt like such an intimidating book. So it was always like, I'm not gonna touch it because how do you read it? How do you understand it? That kind of stuff. But like one of my earliest memories of uh thinking of Doctor of End Times is watching the Left Behind movie and being so panicked that like I don't know if y'all are like me, but I can remember as a child when I started understanding and we used to do Judgment House here at the church, which God saved a lot of people through that ministry. Um I went to I've been to some like some other uh types of things where it gets on to like what what happens at the end which it was like all these like terrifying experiences. But I can remember like walking into a place like, or into the house and thinking mom and dad or someone or someone should be there and they're not there and be like, Oh my God, did they get raptured? Did I get left behind? Oh, no. <laughs> Is this the end? Like, I don't know if y'all are like me, but that if, maybe is that just me? Did y'all ever experience that? No, it's the same way. Okay, good. Yeah. So. Dawson, I'm glad that I wasn't <laughs> left alone there, but did you get it? You left weren't left behind. <laughs> <laughs> but that those are the kind of like this idea of like being really, really terrified. Uh, and, and then also just like, okay, it's too confusing. I'm not going to touch it. And taking like all of my belief on what the Bible said from a, like a, a movie that is fictional. Yeah. Hmm. That's my experience with. Hmm. See, so yeah, my experience is, Relatively similar. I've never watched the Left Behind stuff. I, not the not like Kirk Cameron Left Behind. Not the there's like there's a difference between the books and the movies. I don't know. Oh. I didn't read the books. Uh, there was a lot of books, so that's one reason I didn't read them. <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. read a book until I was out of high school. Uh, two, um, who's Nicholas Cage is in the 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 most recent left behind movie. Well, that ought to settle the debate between all the different views. If Nick Cage puts his seal of approval on one, <laughs> it's clearly the correct one. So, <laughs> so 
<laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're you're good. But yeah, it's, it's basically the same stuff of of getting kind of a loose. I guess you could say it's a premillennial or um, was it dispensationalist view of end mm-hmm. times, um, um, and but not really going into much detail. I think I think the most detail I've been in been in is me and I'm going to give a shout out to my friend Matthew. I know he's going to be listening. And my friend Abram. One time we went camping and just read through like chapter one to the end of Revelation. Just in one set, one sitting, and then we just walked away confused of what just what we just read. So yeah, just a <laughs> but, casual camping trip. Except for Matthew. Matthew, he's he, Matthew needs to be sitting in this chair because he's been studying Revelation since like two years old. So <laughs> <laughs> just some light reading for the just childhood. Some... <laughs> What's your bedtime story? The Beast. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Beast. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Amazing. Man. Well, I, I feel like most people have had a similar experience. I know. What was your experience? Golly, for me, I my dad read all the Left Behind books. So that was interesting. Um, but in church, it wasn't really talked about. I think everybody was kind of afraid to go there. And it was almost like Revelation had such a stigma around it. It was so terrifying that we just stopped. Mm-hmm. It was like just... The book itself was left behind. Wow! But how many how many left behind jokes can we make? I, this podcast? I don't know. I feel like we should stop them, but I also <laughs> don't know that I, I can. So, but I mean, when, when you're growing up in church and Revelation is just kind of pretended like it's not there or it's only used for convenience, then you have this great fear of what what's coming for me. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I able to have hope? in the return of Jesus when I have no knowledge, no understanding because the book that is giving so much insight to what heaven is like, like we're told to look forward to heaven. There's a hope of Jesus return. How can I have that if I've never mm. heard any of what the hope is? It's, really good. it's hard to look forward to what I know nothing about. And so I've been thankful for this conversation. I've wrestled through some things coming into today uh, with the podcast of Man, our, our hope for you, listeners, is that you don't leave more confused than you started. Um, there are so many different ways this conversation can go. And we were talking before we started recording, like we would love to have some conversations maybe about some of the arguments and some of the different views and stances, but we feel like that's for another time. And today we want to make sure that you can understand the hope of the return of Christ. And what does this doctrine mean for you today? How should it, how should it impact our daily lives? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, one of the places that we've got to start is there has to be an awareness of what we're uncertain of, and we yeah. have to be unified over the things that we are certain of. I love this quote from Millard Erickson, that speculation is a legitimate theological activity as long as we are aware that we are speculating. So So there's great room for the wondering and the speculating, but don't get it twisted that your opinion is immediately fact. Mm. (laughs) Like like we got to be careful there. So BB, you had said this um, in your teaching when we had talked about this on Wednesday, what this means for us is that we have to submit to God's word we have to pray humbly for understanding. 
And then we need to be open for discussion about concepts that we do not fully understand. Mm -hmm. Like we've been talking about the tension all throughout established this semester, but there's great tension anytime we recognize that our knowledge falls short. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be things that we are not going to understand in this because once again, there's great mystery here too. But you've got to be freed up enough. We have to be freed up enough to wonder, to have conversation, and to maybe disagree because it's a lot of speculating. Yeah. And I think that's honestly like how we should approach all doctrine. It's like we want to pray. We need to be humble about it. We want to seek to understand, but then we want to like, there's there's beauty in like the discussion and wrestling in the tension and, uh, and especially when we're talking about this, like we're talking about something that has not yet occurred right. um, fully. Um, and so the the idea of like, there, there, scripture is very clear on the thing, like majority of what we're going to talk about today, scripture's 100% clear on this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you drive down the road, like and signs are even telling you like Jesus is coming. So we, right. like the signs know, right. like, we know that he's coming. And so the idea of like, what does that mean for us? And even the hope that is found in that and the urgency that, uh, that, that brings to us, like has one, it, the, the truth of the scripture always has, like, it must humble you. Like there's no arrogance in this. And, um, right. And so even with this one, like as, uh, like as confident as we might be in what it's going to look like exactly in the end, like we, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Right. And we've right. talked about this uh, before. Da- I know Dawson and I have, I think we've even talked about it on the podcast before. Like there's going to be like, there's going to be things that we feel very confident about now that when we stand in the presence of God, we were like, Oh man, right, right. We, I had that wrong. And so we want to be, we want to be right on the things that scripture is blatantly clear on. Yeah. And then the other things that we might have convic- deep convictions over. Yeah. Um, but that scripture maybe is a little bit more quiet on. Um, it's okay to disagree on that. Right. And I think to add on to that, um, you know, we can get into the weeds about kind of where uh, specific positions are. But I think the one thing that we would all hold for, for certain yeah. is um, we will know everything there is to know about the second coming of Christ on the day that it happens. <laughs> so it's like whether you're a. Um, an, an amillennial like like a brother uh, BB over here or a post like me and whatever Kelsey is. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kelsey's undecided. She's right. undecided. I'm very undecided right now. Thank you. Um, you know, you, in the end, it's. I mean, I think the the quote on speculation is actually great here because it is specu- it is speculation on yeah. these deeper things. Yeah. And. I think I think in reality, what we can do is is we understand that all positions lead to the same end. And all those ends ought to be a hope and joy. That's right. That we had to take. That we had to look forward to. Yeah. So as we jump into that, the reality is what we talked about. Like death, death is coming. Right. Like. Right. Ten out of ten people die unless Jesus returns. And so death is a. I I think, um, Kels, I don't know if you're going to read this, but I'm going to steal it from you if you were. That's great. D. A. Carson says, "Whatever the church does, it, it should prepare its members to face death and meet God," which feels like a very harsh, like because we live in such a sensitive culture of like, but the reality is everyone's going to die. So what would be the best thing for the body of believers to do is prepare to prepare ourselves for that day 
and what is what what will it look like when we meet God? And mm-hmm. and the beauty is there's so much hope in what the what the scriptures have laid out for us and what Jesus has done on our behalf that we can have hope in that. That like death doesn't have to be this like devastating thing that we dread. We don't I don't long for death because death isn't a part like is not like it's a result of the fall. It's a result of sin. But I don't have to I don't have to fear it because God is God has hope on the other side of it. I think ultimately, I think as long like the gospel, the gospel prepares us to meet Jesus, um, and uh, and death until the until the second coming of Christ, death is our like is the door to meeting him face to face is like to be fully with him and uh, and so but I think ultimately I we can't shy away from the things that would uh, you know Scripture is very clear on like. I, th- I think of like in Paul's writings of like flee these that like the he li- he lists out the characteristics or the sins of people that will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? So like you cannot like what Paul's doing in that if, if, the, if these people will not inherit the kingdom of God, he's saying they will not meet, they will not be with Jesus, they will not go to heaven. So if we want to prepare people, we can't shy away from that kind of stuff. So I think. The church prepares one making Jesus big, like being the highlight, the the main uh, objective of our worship, um, constantly preaching the gospel, uh, uh, the idea of like holding us accountable in obedience to God, and then uh, just all then putting this stuff before us. Like the reality mm-hmm. is, we'll talk about it in a second, but there the reality we have to uh, face with this doctrine is. Heaven is real, but the reality of that is so is hell. Right. So the mission becomes urgent, mm-hmm. and we must face it with urgency and compassion. And that's why, in the gospel, like you read the book of Acts, there's not a like, they're not lazy about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Now you can read the book of Acts and make it seem like they did something. It all happened really, really fast. Now, when you read it historically, like it's over, it's over a time period. But like, there was an urgency about it right and even in the face of danger so i think uh, i was talking about it with chase adams our high school pastor uh yesterday like the reality is when we talk about sharing our faith and we talk about like because this is real because the end is coming like we live in the end days because mm-hmm. um, jesus has ascended um the reality is there is nothing that should hold us back from sharing our faith. Yeah. If it's an urgent mission that there are people dying and spending an eternity separated from him, there's people that have never heard the gospel. Then there's no, there's no way as a Christian that we can, uh, without our spirit wrestling, uh, be okay with sitting down. Even if that means loss of job, loss of family, facing danger like it does not go well we i don't know if we want to read it but like um we read like that quote i don't remember what happened to all the apostles 
Like, it ends poorly for all of them. Right. Like, John might die of old age, but the Apostle John, like, was boiled alive and survived somehow. And then they exiled him. Doesn't seem like a great life. Right. So this best life now is nonsense. So that's where I think like the church, what the church does is when we meet it with compassion, we, we, we should, it should be a humbling thing, but also like if the church is not urgently pushing this mission forward of the gospel must be proclaimed, then I think we do not have a correct understanding of, um, no matter where you land in the arguments, like you do, like you don't have a correct understanding of what God has called us to. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm like, man, Jesus said, uh, let the dead bury the dead. And whoever puts his hand to the plow is not fit for the kingdom and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Like the idea is mission minded people must go forward. Right. With some urgency, but met with compassion. We don't want to bulldoze people in the process, but we do want to lovingly, urgently tell them like hey you're not promised tomorrow right and i see that i think done very well here at chestnut mountain like just with our leadership and you look at like pastor brian who's just who's a great he's a great preacher a great pastor who is his sermons of course are directed towards the building of the body but they're also evangelical in nature which i think is 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 great for the for the building of the church but then also you switch to wednesdays and and you have the this I'm gonna say great. I'm gonna you got to repent from me both me uh, building <laughs> you up here, um, uh, but this kind of like systematic looking at theology that we haven't established, which gives it a, gives us a more concrete kind of intellectual view of it. But then, but I think also what's paired with that is is people applying both. So you, yeah, you it's it's, it's so good. applying applying what's being preached on Sundays, and then what's being taught on Wednesdays and that's so important in terms of like one thing that that has been kind of hitting me is that though the end times are coming but we don't need to think of it as just like something has no uh, what's the word um like it's the, the promise of the end times is relevant for us right now in our own personal sanctification yeah so um one one example in it's Philippians 3 um, and it talks about, this is verse 20, and then going into chapter 4, verse 2, but it says, For our, citizen, our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory, which is the, after the resurrection, is the second body that we have. And, um, and it says, by his working through which he is able to even subject all things to himself. And that's, that's end times language there. That's the... As it says in Ephesians, the summing up of all things in Christ. It's all things being subjected under his feet. It's the end. Mm-hmm. And then the application that Paul gives in chapter 4, he says, Therefore, my brothers, loved and longed for my joy and my crown, and in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. And then he goes, I urge Eodia and Sintihe to, to think the same way in the Lord. Which that kind of sucks. Like imagine, like the one time you get mentioned in the Bible, it's your problems. <laughs> but like, um, but but there is a there is a a direct application from the summing up, summing up of all things in Christ with us behaving right as yeah, Christians. That's good. Because it's it, it it is the kingdom of God, and it is it is what we are doing as Christians in the Great Commission that is part of this process of bringing about the end. Mm. Um, and then a, another thing you can look at is is First John. 
three two, which which makes reference of of again us looking to him and being informed to his image, and it says he who has this hope set on him purifies himself. So there's this hope looking towards the coming of Christ, our final days, and, and um, our our new body and being conformed to his image, that is the means of sanctification, um, or is a part of the means of being sanctified. Uh, looking to to the future return, who he is, and how simply looking to Christ is enough to purify you. Mm. Um, and this is what the <clears throat> the early church held on to. This is why, and, and even, this is why it makes sense. It doesn't make sense to the world, but it makes sense to the believer why believers can face persecution. Because they know that this isn't home. Right. That there's a greater hope. There, it is like that's why Paul can look at his in the face of persecution, in the face of uh, imprisonment, in the face of potential death, and say to live is Christ and to die is gain. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I mean, I think about that, like in our society, <clears throat> um, at, that like that concept, that verse, uh, Philippians one twenty one, to live is Christ, to die is gain, is like such a mystery. Right, mm-hmm. like death is not gain for and how we majority of the time we live. We live as if we like you only live once, so we might as well like live it up, right? right. But that's not the hope. Like Paul's like, man, I'm going to and, and while I'm breathing, I'm going to make much of Christ, and I want to tell everyone what he's done. But if death comes, that's far better, right? And like what when you think about that in the um, when you think about like how dangerous of a christian that is when i say dangerous like for for satan and his army like what a danger that is for that kind of believer to go man what are you gonna do to me right what are you gonna do like it doesn't matter what you do i'm going to like that's you think of like even think about in the book of acts and i know we're kind of like chasing rabbits but um when they leave the temple after being beaten for their faith they leave rejoicing for they were counted worthy to suffer. Right. Like think about that. Americans get mad when like you take preferences away mm-hmm. or our privileges away. And, we, and then we want to like claim that's persecution. It's like you do realize like currently like in, in today's age, Christians are having their heads cut off, drugged through the streets, ripped from their families, right. tortured. Like, we got it easy, guys. But the church thrives in those environments because they they have such a clear understanding of their hope isn't here. Right. I think that's where when it's freedom to do as you will in religious liberties, which I'm not I'm not I'm not advocating for persecution. Um I am thankful for the liberties and freedoms we have in what we can do here in America. But I am saying the church thrives because it gives them a clear understanding of my hope isn't in what I can touch right now. My hope is in that Jesus has paid the way for me and he has secured a place for me and he has purchased my soul for eternity. So why would I hold on to the things that will fade away? The rust and moth will destroy. And so that's where I think like, man, you watch the church in Jerusalem expands out of Jerusalem. Why? Because they're persecuted. They don't leave Jerusalem until persecution takes place, even though they were commanded. 
commanded and then watched Jesus ascend, like just float up into heaven. So I'm just saying, like, there's free, like, feel, feel, uh, there's some grace, right? Like, they watch Jesus float up into the sky. And still we're like, maybe we shouldn't leave, guys. It just seems dangerous. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, but I, I don't know. I've watched, um, watched some of these documentaries. Uh, trying to remember. I've watched Torture for Christ. Um, what's the one? Wolf Among. Um, have you seen that one? Um, he hasn't finished the title. Is, hey, have you seen that one? It's like uh, <laughs> Wolves Among Sheep or something like that. I, I watched it on. Anyways, it's really good. Like just an understanding of what's happening in today's age. Um, I follow on Instagram. Um, voice of the martyrs and mm-hmm. it usually it'll tell like historical stories of martyrs but also like what's happening currently mm-hmm. and i just think they have like the people that are facing this and like ultimately giving their life up for this uh have a clear understanding of uh then like this doctrine of mm-hmm. the hope of having the um the resurrection of the dead like <clears throat> and uh because they live it mm-hmm. like their hope isn't in a, a like cushioned retirement and a comfortable house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying those are bad things. Um, they are, if they become your, their, your God, but, mm-hmm. um, man, I, I want to give my life to like, I would think of John Piper. Um, don't waste your lives collecting seashells. Like right. what a tragedy that is. Mm-hmm. If that's your life. Um, and I think like that quote Trey shared at United Weekend a few weeks back mm. of like, because at the end of the day, we don't share our faith. We don't, we don't walk in the urgency that heaven is real and hell is absolute the horror of hell because like we're afraid. And it's like Piper said that, uh, why be afraid of what God calls his furniture? Mm. <laughs> like, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like if everything's his footstool, and he's called us to be his, and he right. has claimed victory, then we walk in it. Right. Uh, last night at um, City Church, we are talking about that in terms of um, understanding our the difference between our horizontal relationships, our horizontal, our horizontal problems, versus our vertical relationship yeah. with God, and how the vertical relationship has to happen first. And what what we have a, I think I have a problem with is that, or what our problem is is we don't understand um, really who God is and and what this vertical relationship looks like. So so in Psalm fifty, for example, God is bringing His judgment or is announcing His judgment to I don't know if it, I can't remember if it was Israel or some, some particular nation. And he and he goes basically your sin is you think that I was just like you. That's that and you know that that's and in reality when he when he first reveals who he is specifically to Moses when he gives that great introduction of, of saying, you know, I am that I am yeah. tell the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. What he's saying there is my understanding of that is that he is being, he, he's not like we, we exist, but we're not ultimate. We're not absolute. We're always progression, progressing in some shape or fashion. And we're never complete, mm. but God is complete by his own nature and everything else around us is dependent dependent upon him, which means he is ultimate reality. So like when we establish that vertical relationship, what that means is, is that we are 
in connection with ultimate reality, which gives us a definite, uh, gives us an understanding of everything that's going on around us horizontally in our immediate environment and our, uh, whether you call it dependent reality or, or contingent, whatever it might be. I hope this isn't confusing, but, um, Anyways, the, the, the point being is, is that the only way that we can be like the apostles in the early church yeah. is, if, is if God as the ultimate reality is real to us and, and to which everything around us is like, oh, everything here is just the product of his will and his yeah. plan. No, uh, no, nothing here is, is, is going to uh, destroy me ultimately because yeah. I'm in his hands yeah. who— who gives meaning to all things that exist here? That's good. So um, it is. It is that vertical relationship that must be established first. And if it's not, you're going. You're going to look at CNN or Fox News and be terrified and think that the world's <laughs> going to end. You know, it's it's like, and but in reality, we can we can look at those things and join with God in Psalm two and laugh at the nations. Yeah. Um, because he because he has installed his king upon Zion, Jesus Christ, who's going to win spoiler that's great <clears throat> listeners if you didn't if you don't realize dawson is brilliant and uh that's why we had him yes. on i know one second I, I wake up every morning and i go you know how, how would what would what would bb and kelsey do that's no, my no. <laughs> <laughs> listener you've as been you with us as, as, you as long as you have i feel sure you know that that is not the truth but yeah. I'm not calling Dawson a liar on the <laughs> podcast. So I, it does make me want to want to ask the question. Um, ask it. And I think honestly that most people wrestle through this, but I'm in full agreement with the hope of heaven and the return of Christ. But I also am trying to live life to the fullness and abundance that God is given it for and given himself for that we would glorify him. But with that, there's this tension of, you know, I also enjoy life and there are things that I hope I get to do and things I get to see and be a part of before he calls me home or before he returns. Um, so I always wonder like if Christ were to come back today, do you ever have the tension of like, feeling that you missed out on something in life is that can there be a healthy holy desire rooted in that or is that a misplacement of the understanding of what we receive fully in christ yeah i haven't gone to seminary yet i'd like to do that first i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i mean heaven's gonna be yeah. seminary on steroids huh right uh, without the testing. Oh, um, amen. Which also, listeners, just a side note, I've never been to seminary as well. So I just read Neither stuff have I, in case you needed the clarity. <laughs> so we are experts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are self-proclaimed doctors. No, um, <laughs> uh, I get that tension, uh, like, fully. Like, there's so many things. Like, I think about it as a dad. Um, I have two daughters, like, I would love to walk my daughters down the aisle. Yeah. Um, I want to see my kids grow up. And this is that weird tension to even what we're talking about, like persecution. I don't, I hope that my children grow up in a country mm -hmm. that I don't have to fear their safety. Yeah. Um, so there's all this, that, that weird tension. I think some of it, I think where it comes down to that, like 
uh, there's like holy ambition, right? There's like things that we we should be ambitious for and want to see. God has also designed the world for our enjoyment. Like the, when you read the creation narrative, he didn't create beauty just to create beauty. He created it to be enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So when we think about like, there's some beautiful places in this world that I would love to go see. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, I think where we get to land on the beauty of this is like, if I don't experience it in this life, um, that in the, when the second coming of Christ, when he ushers in the new heavens, the new earth, when he restores everything the way it was meant to be, uh, I believe that there will be, uh, there will be pleasures to take part in, in that, in that, in that idea. So the things like if I want to go see, I don't know, some of the seven wonders of the world or whatever it is, like I think in, in, in the new creation, we will experience that right fully. Um, be now, that, wonders. now listen, there's, it will, it, they'll just be the wonders, right? Right. So that's speculation, but I do. So I think where we have to be careful to answer your question mm-hmm. as I'm running around it, yep. uh, is if we, if, if God were to take us home today and I missed out on some of these things that I would, I look forward to, is that a disappointment? Yeah. Or is it a is it a gain? Like, right. Uh, I th- I do think so. Like, th- I think where we struggle to when it comes to we talk a lot about discipleship on this podcast is um, we miss out in where Jesus the commands that Jesus gives his uh, his followers. Yeah. Now, Jesus, I do believe Jesus longed for his followers to to enjoy life, uh, but at the end of the day, he says. Uh, he tells them to take up their cross and follow him, which in first century, that's not a, uh, it's not, Hey, put a cross on your, around your neck. We're going to tattooed on you. Like it's, Hey, this is, this is a torture. Like it's not going to go well. And he also says like, die to yourself. Yeah. And I think that's the part we miss out in a lot of America is like, we want to make much of ourselves, make much of our enjoyment. And Jesus says, Hey, you must die to yourself so that you mm-hmm. might live in me. Yeah. And um, so I don't think it's like, don't hear me say like, don't pursue enjoyment. Don't pursue uh, satisfaction. But if it is, if it's at the stake of your soul and if it's, if it becomes your God over Jesus, then it, then it needs to be put to death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's wrong. Like there's a lot of things I still want to like I, my, my hope, like I hope Jesus lets me grow old. Yeah. Right. Like I would like to be that old man still pastoring and kind of grumpy. I want to see my kids grow up. I want to see them have families. Mm. But I also long for Jesus to return. Yep. Yep. So it's that wrestle. Like I do like at the end of Revelation when John like concludes with come quickly Lord Jesus. Right. Like that that ultimately is my hope. Yeah. Like I long for that day. And so I'm so torn. This is so torn, guys. Like, we lost our, uh, we're about to celebrate her second birthday. But Brooklyn, uh, we had a stillbirth at 20 weeks. and But to know that she was spared from the pain of this world yeah. and is ushered into the intermediate state with Jesus and is at with Jesus, and I long to meet her. Yeah. 
but but I like so it's that tension, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So like I feel like the Christian life for me is just this constant like I want this, but I want this, and I like what do I do? Well, so that, I, that's I just the pray beauty come quickly. Of it. That's yeah. the beauty of it, and, and I think a big part of this too, like is is sanctification of you know when you first come to know Christ, whenever that may be, whether it's young in your journey or it's in your 20s or it's late in life for you whenever it is like part of sanctification is growing in a peace as you grow in your understanding of mm-hmm. he's not taking away from me yeah. he's offering the absolute That's right. best in himself yeah right. and so even though i get to know the fullness of life here on earth because i have relationship with christ like to be in heaven with Christ, <laughs> it doesn't get better than that. But I also want to live intentionally yeah. and maximize life here on earth. But sanctification, as as we grow and becoming more like Christ and chipping away at our flesh and relying more on the spirit, man, it, it starts to settle in us a little bit more of, you know, he's not taking from me. He's giving more. Yeah, that's good. Mm. And I think it too, it comes down to the motive, like how we live life. If I'm pursuing these things. Um, so I can think back, like one of the things uh, when I was 22, 23, like I was like, man, I, re- I really would like to get married before Jesus comes back. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and that's not like, it's not a bad thing to pursue marriage. It's not a bad thing to long for marriage. Um, but it's the re like the hope behind that is, but why do I want that? Mm. Um, and so I think like, I mean, we, I think of Sharon and Joel who've been on this podcast, like they travel yeah, and their advice to young people is travel, but they do it missionally too. Like yep. they're not like necessarily going on a mission trip, but they're going on these adventures, but they're going to talk to people about Jesus while they go. That's right. right. And so, um, yeah, and I think, like, I think unique, God calls people to different things, and some people get to do these, like, really, like, epic adventures, and some people have been called to go to the to the slums. Mm-hmm. And I just think of, like, I think of the C.T. Stud, who was a stud, uh, so, this quote. So he said, some want to live within the sound of a church or a chapel bell, and I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Hmm. And it's that idea of like there's a there's a missional mindset to that. So even in like pursuing the the enjoyment and pleasure of this world, well, we have to remember that that we're promised <clears throat> in Scripture that at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Mm. So heaven is going to be forever pleasure. Yeah. Um, and um, but even if we pursue the whatever it is that you want to do in this life if it's missionally done like for the glory of Christ, I don't think that's wrong. Hmm. I just think that we can hold on to, Hey, everything we would, everything we should long for and everything we hope to enjoy will be complete in heaven. Right. Hmm. It reminds me a bit of, I mean, I guess Paul's, his whole testimony that's laid out in, I believe it's um, Philippians three. But when he talks about him basically being, you know, the Jew of the Jews, Pharisee of Pharisees, and Hebrew of Hebrews, and um, the tribe of Benjamin, the law found blameless. And then and then he gets to the point where he says, I consider all these things to be rubbish yeah. 
for the sake of knowing Christ. And I don't think that's necessarily an immediate thing that happens. No. I do think that is that is brought through through it's, it's sanctification, it's brought through hardship, it's a realization that the things that we used to love and enjoy are mm. they're they're just they're not worth it. They're yeah. they're yeah. they're not satisfying in any way. It reminds me a bit um uh, Greg Worley, he preached at City Church um, a few weeks back, and he was on the podcast, and he brought up the, um, there's this old saying that God wants you to be, uh, or God doesn't want you to be happy, he wants you to be holy. Yeah. And he was mm-hmm. saying that the more and more you, you th- think about that, the more and more you read the Word, that's probably not the most accurate statement, because there's joy in holiness. Yeah. Like, yeah. like okay, so here's the problem with that statement. If uh, um, the, the one about God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. God is the very essence of holiness. Is he not joyful? You know, is he not the very essence of joy as well? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, so God is just this doom and gloom guy because he has to follow his rules. Like, no, that's not, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and the reason why we don't find holiness joyful now is because we love our sin. And the goal is to, as Kelsey said, to chip the flesh away, right? To, to, to get away from that. And so that we can see Christ as he is as greater than life. As I think Piper said that and somebody else, I'm sure Paul said that as well. But, yeah. um, but then when you get to that, when you get to that point where it's like, well, to live as Christ and to die is gain. It's like, well, what does that mean? Well, Christ is the, he's the ultimate goal. He's the joy. He's the hope. Everything else sucks, you know? And, and that's just, and that's just the fact of life. And if you're not experiencing that, then yeah. you need to experience that, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, it's just the reality is like, God is less concerned with my safety here than he is concerned with my joy. Mm. And, uh, and he, and that's the reality. It's like, we can run, like run the rescue shop within a yard of hell, like in the danger of that. And, mm-hmm. um, it's just that idea of like, there's no there's no room for the Christian to be lazy in the urgency of this mission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I and I say that as someone that struggles with that. Mm. Um but this is where it comes back to like I need to remind myself of how like why why are these why are these followers of Christ in the first century laying their life down? It's because there was an urgency. They lived as if the time could Jesus return today? Mm. Yeah, he could. Could he return tomorrow? Yeah. Could it be 40,000 years from now? Yeah. But he still called me to be urgent in it. And so I don't know when the time, but I don't want to live as if we have all this time left mm-hmm. for the mission of God to go forward. Like, uh, that's not what he's called us. He's called me to lay my life down. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live. It's Christ that lives in me. Right. Galatians 2. And, and so I must move forward with the mission with an urgency because like man um if you've ever been somewhere like outside of the states that uh that really practices like pagan religion so i think of like uh mission trips to like nepal or like um cambodia and these places where they're very like high hindu uh religion and you know, if you, you can find these videos on the internet of like them burning their bodies alongside the river in hopes of reincarnation. And, mm. but what a symbol that is of like the eternal horror that these people who have never trusted in the only hope that they have of yeah. Jesus. And, uh, mm. 
and I, I just don't think that like as a believer can like settle in your soul. Okay. To go like, there's people that one have not heard the name of Jesus yet. Right. Right. And, um, and we have it. And so like, I'm not saying like, I'm not I, full wreck, like uh, abandonment of anything God has given us. That's good. But at the end of the day, like, what if God called you to abandon it all for the mission of Jesus? Like, I don't think Paul, you know, I've heard David Platt talk about, like, the church is not a cruise ship. It's a war. Like, Mm. it's a warship. Like, it's a battle-ready ship. And we treat it as, like, hey, come be entertained. Come do all these kind of things. And it's like, no, 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 no. The end, like, the Satan wants to destroy. Satan wants to weaken our mission. And so, um, hey, we got to go forward. And I'm not saying like, mm-hmm. hey, there's pleasures. Like, enjoy the good gifts. I'm going to play golf later. Like, that's not necessarily the most mission-minded thing. It's actually mm-hmm. not the greatest thing for my soul. But, because uh, <laughs> I'm not great at it. I'm too competitive. But Such an angry person. Such an, it's my height that does it to me. Anyways, we digress. <laughs> um, but I do think like, um, th- there's such a beauty in knowing what we as believers have. And I just want people to taste of it, mm-hmm. knowing that some are going to be condemned for eternity. Right. And I want to, as Paul says, like Paul, Paul, like think about the heart of Paul. I've become all things to all people that I might win some. Mm-hmm. And um, Paul knew that, it, like he wasn't like not everyone that he shared the gospel with would be saved, but he knew that he was going to give his life to seeing as many that could be saved. Right. And if we really had a grasp of heaven, yeah. it would drastically change the way we live today. And this conversation, a listener, I hope it stirs in you as it's stirring us in the room of of the tension of the urgency. Like we we don't just have to share the gospel. We get to share the gospel. And I think we forget that that is an honor and a privilege that God has entrusted stewardship of the message of all hope (laughs) to people, to very, very broken people. But we are the chosen method to spread the news amongst the nations. Yeah. And we get to do that, but we just treat the gospel so nonchalantly. Like I, I've been having conversations lately. I've shared on the podcast before I work for the fellowship of Christian athletes and I get to spend a lot of time with, um, high school girls in particular and have come to realize in some recent conversations, like there are kids that have never owned Bibles in their lives. There are adults that have never owned Bibles in their lives, but man, like I got to have a conversation with a young girl yesterday. We opened the word together and we were reading um, at school and she had a lot of questions and she had never heard any of this before in her life. And Mm. so the questions she's asking are based off of what she's been told, what she's heard through social media, and she's just now beginning to taste the hope of Christ. But like shame on me if I ever become nonchalant in the mission of the gospel that this kid had never heard it in her life before. And I've taken it for granted because I think that I have more time Mm -hmm. or I think they have more time. There has to be an urgency. We forget, especially in the Bible belt, we forget that there are still lost people 
everywhere. And I'm always willing to pose the argument that maybe people are even more lost in the Bible Belt than they are in other areas Mm -hmm. of our nation because they have deceived themselves that they know what they don't know because they know how to play church really, really well. Mm. But we have to realize we get to steward the gospel. It's, it is a command and we forget that piece of it too. We are told to share it. (laughs) It's part of our mission, but we get to, and it's like, you're talking Dawson. It is a joy. It's not, Man, it's not just the shaking of the finger of holiness, but to be holy is to be like Christ, and to be like Christ is the fullness of joy. And mm-hmm. I love, man, I love this quote from, yeah. from George Ladd that uh, B.B. had shared, talking about, man, just the, in reference to the return of Christ, but man, the urgency, it says that God alone knows the definition of terms here. And I cannot precisely define who all the nations are, but I don't need to know. I know only one thing that Christ has not yet returned. Therefore, the task is not yet done. And when it is done, Christ will come. And our responsibility is not to insist on defining the terms. Our responsibility is to complete the task. So long as Christ does not return, our work is undone. So let's get busy and complete our mission. And and that's just it. Like there, there are lives at stake. So it's not just grasping the joy of heaven. It's also grasping the utter despair of hell. And we have to preach the the gospel, not only like our lives depend on it, but like their lives depend on it because there is something major Mm. at stake here. And if we've really tasted and seen the goodness of God, what do we have to lose besides putting our pride on the table. I mean, it's dying to yourself. I have to sacrifice my pride and my comfort (laughs) daily in order to preach like there's something on the line here, but we don't believe that. Mm -hmm. And part of it's because we are so unequipped, uneducated on the glory of God, the glory of heaven and ultimately his holiness like if i really 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 understand that it's going to stir me to go tell my neighbor it's going to stir me to love somebody enough to put myself on the line yeah yeah so good the reality is like we haven't even we didn't even get into like the the beauty of like the resurrection of the dead and all that kind of stuff but knowing that one day we will be fully resurrected in our bodies that like uh and there'll be no more pain there'll be no more sorrow there'll be perfect like complete bodies as they were intended to be and um but i think the reality of of this is um man when we get this this understanding the basic understanding of christ has said that he will come again and he will come to restore he will come to to finally destroy our enemy once and for all um and and then that he'll usher in the new heavens and earth. And, um, but in the time being, he's told us to go mm-hmm. and to be urgent about this because hell is not something that we, uh, we live as if hell's not a real place. Yeah. Right. And so like a few resources I would recommend, uh, just like one, like Francis Chan wrote a book called a racing hell. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is like, we try, we've tried to erase this as if it's not a real thing that we have to 
face because we don't want to deal with what it means. Uh, great book. Uh, David Platt did a secret church, which is like yeah. four hours of intense teaching yeah. um, on uh, heaven, hell, and the end of the world. Highly, highly recommend. He has another one on angels, demons, and spiritual warfare that kind of uh, is really good too. So uh, those two rec- those recommended resources, I would I would highly um, recommend you to check those out. But I just think the end of the day, like this is it. The what we should all agree on is Jesus is going to come again, right? Mm. And every single person will either be condemned to hell for eternity or ushered into eternal life. Yeah. And uh, and Scripture tells us the only way that we will ever have eternal life is if we have trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And so He is the way, the truth, and life. And no one goes to the Father except through Jesus. So if that's true, and uh, Romans 10 tells us, like, how will they know if no one preaches the gospel? And how will they be sent if no one sends them? Like, how beautiful are the feet of Jesus? How beautiful are the feet that take the good news? Mm -hmm. And so, like, we go. The mission, he has not returned. The mission is not complete. Complete the task. Let's get to work. And I think that's the hope. Um, And then I'll be done after this, and then I'll let you uh, (laughs) close us out. Any last words, Dawson, and then uh, Kels. But let me read this quote, another C.T. Stud quote. He said, Let us not glide through this world and then slip quietly into heaven without having blown the trumpet loud and long for our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let us see to it that the devil will hold a Thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the news of our departure from the field of battle. Hmm. See, one, one thing I want to add is that we ought to be preaching the gospel as if he returns tomorrow, but we should also be focusing on building the church as if it will remain for another million years on earth. That's really so good. There, um, That's really good. And awesome. c- because urgency is always around us because death is pr- present. But also, I think one of the dangers with thinking like thinking solely that, oh, he's just going to come back tomorrow, is we can just have a short-term sight of the mission without thinking, mm-hmm. well, no, we need to be preparing for our kids, our grandkids, and our grandkids' kids, and then going on and on and on, and being able to to work to build something by the the, the, the grace and the will of God will will stand. Because we we, uh, we are promised in, in Hebrews that God is, God is shaking the world so that things which shake will will go away but the thing that which cannot be shaken will stand what That's and, right. and the thing that can't be shaken is the kingdom that he's building yeah. come on so yeah. um and with that i mean so there, there's an urgency for for people who are evangelists to go out and preach the gospel there's also an urgency for for theologians which establish and systematize biblical truth in a way that's understandable so we can so we can know what we believe um and I and I think intellectual level is is very important for us to understand um, yeah. um, uh, what we believe and things like that. But that needs to be the end goal. Is that mm-hmm. it's not just because there's so many there's so many stories of like pastors who who leave the church and go off into the woods and try to do like a like a survival thing because they're getting ready for the, the apocalypse. It's like there, there's a guy at, at City Church. His name's uh, Ray Majors, and I think he's like 100 years old. But he posted something on Facebook where it says, uh, uh, "The um, the the end of times is not meant for us to go and basically build our doomsday shelters, but it's meant to to build bigger tables to preach to invite oh, our friends good. over and preach the gospel. You know, yeah. and share the gospel with their friends. So, um, that's good. But 
I mean, again, like we need to be preparing and trying to establish something that will last for generations because Pastor Hall is going to die. BB's going to die. I'm going to die. Kelsey's going to die. We're all going to die. And a hundred years from now, who's going to be in charge of the church? It's not the people who are in charge now. It's going to be the, pe- it's going to be the disciples, the people influenced by, that's right. By, um, people who've come, who've uh, come before. That's good. So, um, so yeah, short term focus, preach the gospel, long term mission, establish the church. That's really good. Dawson. That's Stay really, that really good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, last resource. Sorry. Matt Chandler preaches series through Revelation. Yes. Revelation terrifies yes. you. Check out that sermon series. So the, ch- the the book of Revelation was meant to encourage the church, mm-hmm. yep. not to confuse it. Yep, and that's a really really helpful teaching too. Man, I'm, and I'm done. I'm I'm thankful for this conversation and and of course you can't see behind the scenes, but I do want to just kind of give you the the lean into it. Um, we had planned a very different thing, but I think the reality is. There is a need, a need for the conversations that stir both urgency and compassion in our hearts. And when we consider heaven, when we also consider hell, when we consider the return of Christ, when we consider the final judgment, all of these different elements of of the end times, like it should stir a lot of different emotions in us that lead us to action and when it comes to the the hope of heaven, the ultimate goal of the gospel is not that we would just go to heaven, but that heaven comes to us. Mm-hmm. And so we want to live in a way that our eyes are fixed on Jesus, but our eyes are also fixed towards the hope of heaven. I love this quote from Jonathan Edwards that says, Why should we labor for or set our hearts on anything else? but that which is our proper end and our true happiness. And heaven has a way of putting life in perspective for us. I think we would be more intentional with our time, more intentional with our conversations, with our schedule. We'd probably be a little more available for the moments where we pass people and we don't have time Mm. to serve them or to meet them with the best news that there's ever been. And heaven has a way of putting us back in our place. That's why we have to die to ourselves so that we have room to fix our eyes on Jesus and give him his proper seat on the throne of our hearts. So I'm I'm encouraged, I'm challenged, I'm very convicted too of, man, there's work to do. There's work to be done. It, it stirs something in me. And listener, I hope it's stirring in you actively too, that it's not an overwhelming fear of what's after this life and all the layers to the questions that you have. But man, I hope it makes you compassionate for the unbeliever, but it creates the urgency that I've got to tell them. Mm-hmm. I've got to go get one more. And may our lives be an overwhelming mission of we got to make more room. We got to make more room. We got to make more time because this is it. This is the hope. And man, after walking through 12 weeks, of established walking through 10 weeks of doctrine to sit at the end and see where all of this is creating one beautiful story that we've been invited to be a part of and we've been invited to share with other people man fix your eyes on jesus (laughs) he's better and we want the world to know that he's better 
And so I, I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're challenged. And I hope you don't fear the tension of wanting to make the most of life here on earth, but also knowing, believer, heaven is coming. It is coming and he's coming quickly. That's the hope. So, man, I'm thankful. Thank you for sharing this conversation with us, Dawson. I'm always, always leaving challenged um, after getting to just have any type of conversation with you about doctrine and just to Mm -hmm. hear your, your stances and your opinions, um, man, keep digging in and keep having hard conversations. We need more people that are unafraid to go after it like you. So thank you for being a part. Um, and as always, man, whoo, come back, keep listening and keep having hard conversations. So until next time, get low, move slow, and fix your eyes on Jesus. Love you.